You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page, and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host, and I am super excited to say that this is episode number 50. Um, I've been working hard on this podcast for a few years. I was doing these every week and uh, took a break a while ago and I'm back and really excited today because this is my first interview since I have started the podcast back up. And I am interviewing an author, Bailey Gaddis, who wrote a wonderful book about asking. It's called Asking for a pregnant friend. So any of you who are expecting, who are thinking about having children, who have friends or family that are expecting, please share this episode. We went um, deep into kind of our options and some of these uh, awkward questions that she received and research and such. So please enjoy this episode and make sure to join the Facebook group where we have more discussions and I can answer your questions there. And I will let you enjoy this interview. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to The Art of Parenting. And today, I, it is my great pleasure to introduce Bailey Gaddis, who is my guest today. And um, we are doing a double take on this one because we recorded this a few months ago and then technology wasn't working. And we're re-recording it and there's been some big life event happened (laughs) between the time we recorded the, the first one and now the second take. So I am so excited to have you back. Bailey, and and thank you for for doing this re-recording. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for for having me back. It's my pleasure. Yes. So um, first of all, before we get uh, in, I I always like to ask this this one question to all my guests, and this is really, how do you personally define the art of parenting? The art of parenting, uh, the way I would see it is the ability to give ourselves a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness as we navigate, you know, this really wild, unpredictable journey. I love that. Just the, 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 the grace. I think we tend to forget that, right? We tend to think that the art is, is really about 
doing the things right, right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and pushing along our children and all of this, but it's so much about the inner work too, right? About, about caring for ourselves. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so before we get uh, too involved in our conversation, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to do the work that you do today. Yes. So I am an author, a childbirth preparation educator, and a birth doula, and of course, a a mother. And I, I came to do this work, you know, after the birth of my son almost nine years ago now. And it was such, such an intense, but amazing experience. And I was so inspired to, you know, continue exploring, you know, the journey of pregnancy, childbirth, early motherhood. And yeah, that led me into to teaching, attending births and, and writing books on the topic. Wonderful, wonderful. And we are here also because you have just released a book calling um, Asking for a Pregnant Friend. And uh, I just love the title in that we are often, you know, perplexed as to what is going on uh, during pregnancy to prepare ourselves for the birthing, to prepare ourselves to to parent and to be a mother. And sometimes we don't dare ask questions, right? Right, right. Yeah. And uh, so I would love if you would share from your book, and I love the way that you've you've kind of had these three sections about uh, it's pregnancy, birthing, and mothering. And so if we could touch on all three of those, and maybe if you could share with our listeners maybe two or three revelations that you've had in these different categories as to kind of what was what were the questions that were coming up the most and and maybe the most awkward one in in each section oh that's a great question (laughs) okay so i would say with pregnancy you know the most common questions i got were around you know sexuality arousal you know a lot of women curious about is it normal that i feel so aroused during pregnancy regarding sex you know sure the the mechanics of it when you're very pregnant but also the the mental blocks right of of being so connected to this idea of, of motherhood and and women saying, you know, I, I feel so, so, so pure in so many ways. And then when I want to have sex, it, it just kind of feels like a conflict. So I write a lot, a lot more than I expected to write about those topics about, you know, sex and, you know, how to feel more comfortable in our own skin and, you know, how to honor that side of ourselves during, during pregnancy. In, in childbirth, there, there's a couple of them. You know, a, one that I was really surprised by actually was over the last couple of years, I had more and more pregnant people ask, 
do I have to have my partner present at birth? And at first I was shocked thinking, well, of course, like, wouldn't you want to? Like, it's just, you know, such a special experience. But when I I dug deeper into it with with a lot of these people, you know, they had their reasons. You know, one woman, her her husband got really, really faint anytime he was in the hospital. She was worried that if he was with her in the birthing space, he would end up passing out. (laughs) So she had a very, you know, legitimate reason why, you know, she said, I I feel like I'm going to be so worried about him during, you know, my, my hospital birth that I won't be able to focus on me. And so she chose to have, have a doula present and her husband came in just right after the baby was born. Another woman, her, her partner was very, very against the idea of her getting an epidural. And this woman, you know, she said, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to want that or not, but I don't want to feel that judgment. So anyways, there's all these different reasons that don't have to do with, you know, some huge breakdown in the relationship that could lead a woman to maybe wanting a a doula or her mom or her sister with her instead of her partner. So of course, this is a very, you know, individual decision, but that was an interesting one that came up with childbirth. Um, And then of of course, uh, childbirth fears. I, I work with a lot of of women that are, are survivors of, you know, um, sexual abuse. And so we, you know, that that's a, that's a very, very complicated one that I made sure to include in this book because it's, it's so important and something a lot of women are, really hesitant to, to talk to a lot of, or to talk about a lot of times with their care provider. And then let's see, with, with the early postpartum period, the, this first one kind of goes back to the, the arousal topic and the pregnancy one, but I had so many women ask, or more so whisper, is it normal that I feel aroused when I'm breastfeeding? I feel so embarrassed by it. You know, what's going on with me? Um, You know, so I explored that because there are very, very normal biological reasons why a lot of women experience arousal when they're breastfeeding. Um, A question about women feeling almost jealous about all the attention their baby is getting. They, They suddenly feel invisible. And I could go on and on and on, <laughs> but those those are some of the top ones. Yeah, and th- those are those are such valid questions. And 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 the first the first two around or the the first one at least around sexuality too. It is to me like so part of our you know maybe of our of our culture where where women kind of owning the fact that they they are aroused and they're sexual beings and such and that they want to make their own choices i think is so new in in a way uh, i don't know if our mothers and grandmothers had access to that empowerment so i think it's it's fascinating that that is um something that is is coming up in in that questioning as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, women are, you know, still somewhat believe again that we're supposed to be these pure beings when we're pregnant, but 
and again, that, that word pure, what does that even, you know, really mean well, in this I mean, context? We had, to, we, we had to have sex to be pregnant. So Exactly, <laughs> right? Well, and that's why it's so interesting. I find it so fascinating that, that we have all these blocks because, you know, in love course, unless we used IVF, we, we had sex to get right, this baby. Right, and then suddenly right. when we're pregnant, we're like, oh, sex, this is a weird, a weird, complicated topic, but it's yeah. all intertwined yeah. um, as it should be. And then, and then the one about the the partner um, is great because I know my husband was somewhat faint, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you know was 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 probably not like the best um, doula that I could have asked for, and right. and I think also like birth is such a woman space, right? I mean, that right. from for generations, it was only women that attended births. It was mm-hmm. the mothers and the midwives and, and, and the doulas. And so having the partner there and so involved, and, and I'm a volunteer uh, doula at one of our local hospital, and I'm, I'm always just enamored by some of the partners, the male partners who are just so hands-on and so loving and supportive and, and such. Um, but it's new, right? This is, this is a new generation of, of men who are wanting to be there and, and be involved. So I think it's totally normal to, to have a doubt of wanting your partner. And I know personally for me, it was like, you can be there with me, but you can only be next to me. So you have my same vantage point. I did not want, (laughs) you're not alone. I don't don't want to scare you. Right. (laughs) So we all make our choices. Uh That's, That's wonderful. Um, and then what do you, um, you know, how do you, I know it's a, it's a difficult topic, but, but the women who are kind of survivors of, you know, sexual abuse and such, and here they are birthing, this is a beautiful experience, yet it is, you know, somewhat bringing up uh, trauma. And how do you work with, um, women that are in this in this situation and if we do have a listener who who might be in that in that uh state like what do you how do you encourage them to let go of that past experience to really fully uh you know experience this this new new experience absolutely so there's a lot of different things, but the the first thing that I find to be very important is is finding the right care provider. You know, whether that is an OB or a midwife, and I've actually you know attended these initial you know meetings with women that are are trying to find that person they feel safe with, um, and and of course you know no woman is obligated to to tell their care provider about you know that past trauma, but for you know a lot of women I've worked with they feel so much relief when they find a care provider that they just implicitly trust that they feel comfortable being physically touched by you know because a lot of times. We, we are, we're having to get our vitals checked. You know, there's different aspects of touch involved in, in prenatal care. Um, and then of course, in the birth experience, you know, so finding that person you feel safe with, um, and again, it's personal choice, but you know, you can then choose to share, you know, 
look, I experienced this in the past. And so I, you know, I might be extra sensitive with touch. I need you. And this is a big one. And, and you don't have to tell people you experienced sexual trauma to, to say this, but to say, I need you to ask my permission before you touch me. Even if it, if, even if they're taking your blood pressure, you know, right, just right. that, just, okay, I, you know, this is what I need to do. This is why I need to to touch you in this way. Is that okay with you? You know, and that, that's a big one right there, actually. And, and to me, that one should be a, a, a no nonsense for anyone, really. Exactly. I mean, you know, to ask for, for, for that consent of, I mean, you don't know what people's experiences are. So, so yes. Hmm. Exactly. It's interesting though, that, that we have to actually voice it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and every, you know, care provider is different. I've, I've found that, that midwives often are very good at, at asking for that permission, you know, regardless of, you know, if, if the person asked them to or not, you know, so that's, that felt really great to me, you know, during, during my pregnancy is, is giving, being able to give that consent. Um, you know, something else is, is having a doula because a lot of, you know, as you know, a lot of the work that we do as, as doulas is, is very emotional, emotion-based. And, you know, a big part of what I do is I have prenatal appointments with women and we just talk, you know, we talk about their fears, their concerns, you know, it's almost like a, a therapy session in a way, you know, we're just kind of getting it all out and exploring, you know, what that woman feels comfortable with. And, and that's another piece of it is deciding, you know, what type of birth do I want? I've, I've worked with a lot of, of women that, that really feel uncomfortable with the idea of a vaginal birth and they opt for for a C-section and other women that feel like, you know, a C-section that feels invasive to them. And so they opt for a vaginal birth. And so essentially knowing that there's no right or wrong, it's, it's whatever you feel comfortable with is the right choice for you. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, and I know that, you know, since we, we last spoke, you were, you were about to, to have your second child. And since you have welcomed a daughter and what was your, um, what was your kind of experience during pregnancy and birth and, and kind of some of the choices that, that you made? And I know that this is your second child after um, eight years from your, from your first one. So things probably change a little bit, choices probably change. And just from your knowledge and experience of, of working with um, the birthing environment, you probably had new decisions to make. And, and can you share a little bit about what that was for you? Absolutely. So this, this pregnancy, it started off for me with a lot more fear and anxiety than my pregnancy with my son because I had had a miscarriage seven months before I became pregnant with my with my daughter. And so I was really afraid that that was going to happen again. And so even though I knew that I, you know, eventually wanted, I wanted to have a home birth, I wanted to be attended by midwives, the first trimester, I felt a really deep need to be cared for by my OB to get pretty much every every test he would give me because I, I I needed so much validation. Mm-hmm. I probably had a, a few ultrasounds to confirm heartbeat. You know, I 
I needed that so, so intensely. And it provided a lot of, a lot of relief. Um, and after I got through that first trimester, I felt a lot more comfortable. I made the switch over to, um, the care of a, a midwife, these two midwives that I, that I love. And so that was a very special experience and, you know, talk about the kind of therapy sessions. Oh my gosh. I, a lot of these, the meetings with my midwives, we would just talk for mm-hmm. like an hour about how I was feeling, what I was going through. It was, it was so refreshing compared to my pregnancy with my son, where those prenatal appointments would last maybe 15 minutes if, if I was lucky. Right, so that, right. that was really special. And, and it, you know, enabled me to develop a really deep trust in my midwives. And this time around, you know, thinking about the the support of your partner, my sweet husband, he had no idea what to do with me when I was giving birth to our son. He, um, he tried, but he just didn't know. So this time around, we invested a lot more time in me teaching him you know, these are the pressure points you can do, the type of touch, just all the different ways that that he could show up for me. And, and something else that I'll bet a lot of moms can relate to is because I had already had a baby, I knew what it felt like <laughs> for me. I, I knew all the intensity that was coming. Um, and so I had moments where I felt like, can, can I do this? You know, I, I questioned myself a lot more and had a bit of fear, you know, around the intensity. So I had to do a lot more work with that, a lot, a lot of meditation, you know, a lot of just breathing through these moments of, of panic. Um, and fast forward to the birth itself, you know, it went beautifully. It, it was almost more intense than, than the first time around because it was condensed down to about four hours. And it was at home, very, very quiet, very peaceful. My, uh, my son would come, come in and out. And so he got to experience it with us. And I ended up giving birth to my daughter standing up in the bathroom. (laughs) And um, I, I thought I would have this really, you know, romantic, um, water birth, but I just kept feeling like I was going to have a bowel movement. So I kept going back to the toilet and that's where her head came out. I was on the toilet and all of a sudden her head was out. So it was pretty abrupt, but very, very special. Wonderful. And so you were cared for at home by these two midwives that you had followed through in your prenatal care. Yes. Yes, exactly. Wonderful. And did you also have a doula or? I I didn't because one of the midwives, she had been prior to becoming a midwife, a doula for about 10 years. And I, and she's a close friend of mine and she just showed up in such a a beautiful way as both a midwife and a doula. So I felt Mm -hmm. like I had, had two all wrapped up. Sounds like, sounds like you had a beautiful team to to help you through this birthing experience. It's beautiful. Okay. And and for our listeners who who might not be you know who might be in a situation where they're maybe uh, expecting or or thinking of having children, um, I would love that you kind of dive a little deeper into what are our options, right? Because you talked about 
um, having a home birth. You talked about uh, seeing an OBGYN and then a midwife. And so what are kind of the differences there for, for one, you know, professionally, the OBGYN and the midwife? And then really, I, I always want to empower women that they have choices as to how and where they give birth. And I think that that oftentimes they just don't know that that we do have options. So I would love for you to share a little bit about that. Absolutely. So yes, regarding care providers, the two primary options are, you know, an OBGYN and, you know, they are the the physician that has has the training to give give a C-section to do surgery if that is needed. And then a midwife is a incredibly highly, highly trained individual that can, you know, some are, you know, nurse midwives, they can attend births in the hospital, some only do home births, and some deliver in a birth center. And I'll get more into that in a moment. Um, Some of the the big differences I can think of between at least the care you're going to get from an an OBGYN versus a midwife is that, you know, with OBGYNs, even if they want to spend an hour talking with you, you know, I have an amazing OB, but they just, their schedules are often packed. And so again, they, they just have to get people in and out pretty quickly. So oftentimes, you know, that appointment isn't going to last much more than 15, 20, 30 minutes. So you're not getting as much time to really connect with them. If they are part of a practice that has a a group of of physicians, you might be seeing a different OBGYN each time you go in. Um, And then in regards to who attends your birth, it, it depends, you know, if again, that OB has their, their own private practice, they, you know, might guarantee that they'll be the one to attend your birth. Sometimes they can't guarantee it. You might end up seeing the the doctor on call at the hospital. So there's a lot more kind of up in the air with, with the OBGYN regarding who's actually going to care for you. And then regarding that hospital birth, more often than not, your nurses are going to be the ones that are providing the most care throughout the, the birth experience. And really the, the doctor only comes in at the very end and then they pop in, you know, a couple times before that just to briefly check in on you. But you're not really going to be seeing them a lot. And then with midwives, you like you have around the same amount of prenatal appointments, but typically they give you at least an hour. So it's really in depth. You know, you're doing a lot more talking, you're going into the emotions of pregnancy, and you typically develop a much deeper bond with your with your midwives than you would your OB. And then during the birth, they are, you know, unless there is a dire emergency, they are guaranteed to to be attending your birth. And so that can feel really comforting to a lot of women knowing that, okay, I know for a fact that this is the person that will be with me. Um, If the pregnant person develops a special circumstance that means that a hospital birth is really the safest for them, then the midwife is going to make that recommendation and say, you know, unfortunately, I I cannot, um, you know, be be the one at your birth or not the only one at your birth. We need to to make sure you're at the hospital. Um, 
and then in regards to locations, you know, obviously I've been talking about the hospital. You can also do a home birth with a midwife if you don't have, you know, special circumstances that would make that unsafe, or you could do a birthing center. And birthing centers are typically run by midwives. And so you're getting that midwifery care, but at a, it's, I don't even want to call it like a doctor's office because usually birth centers are very homey. You know, they intentionally make it feel like, you know, you're in this really cozy, beautiful space. And, and I find birthing centers to be a happy kind of middle ground for women that don't really want to be at the hospital, but they don't want to be at home. And a lot of times, not always, a lot of times birthing centers are fairly close to hospitals. So if a transfer was needed, that's usually fairly easy. Sometimes they're even in the same building. Um, so it, it just depends you know, on your area and what the options are. But, but I really encourage women to look into the different options, You know, meet with some different midwives, some different OBs, go visit the hospitals, some, some birth centers. And obviously that takes more time, but you end up making a more informed choice. Yes. And thank you for saying that, because to me, it is something that it's, it's an important, uh, you know, it's an important moment in our lives and in our children's lives. So that birth environment and that experience, uh, is important. So, so to do your research, um, even, you know, even if you are choosing to do a hospital birth, because that's what you feel more, most comfortable with, do your research at the different hospitals around your area. What are, you know, what are their kind of their rate of, of C-section and intervention and things like that, especially if you are wanting, um, you know, a vaginal birth and, and that you're, you're really um, specific about that. Um, th- those are kind of researches that, that we need to do. And it's kind of, for me, it's kind of the beginning of, of our parenting journey, because then we're going to do, you know, research yeah. on who the pediatrician is, what school right. we want to go to, what, you know, what yeah, extracurricular exactly. activities. So it's kind of the, the beginning of that, of that journey. And to me, such an important one, um, for to 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 empower to empower women and just just you know you were saying birthing centers the the place that I um, volunteer at least one of the hospitals because it's it's in two different hospitals one of them has actually a birthing center on the same floor as the labor and delivery and I've Amazing. I've attended a birth for example where you know it was in the birth center and then. Uh, something happened where we just walked the mother over to another room in labor and delivery because she needed to be monitored a little bit more. So that I think is just, you know, a real happy medium where where you're wanting to try without not too much, uh, you know, machines hooked up to you. And then if you need it, they're there. And exactly. that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. And and just by curiosity, what kind of training did you do to become a birth uh, educator and a birthing doula? Yeah, so I attended um, the, the training for hypnobirthing. So it okay. was a week-long mm-hmm. intensive mm-hmm. to teach childbirth preparation. Mm-hmm. And then after I had been teaching for about a year and I had requests 
from women to, to attend their births. Then I, I did another, you know, week long intensive through the hypnobirthing Institute again to become certified as, as a doula. So I did all my certifications. Yeah. Through hypnobirthing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautiful. I know it's been, it's been quite a beautiful experience for me to be able to attend some of these births. And it's something that I had always wanted to do, but with, you know, being a mother with, with children at home, it was, the schedule was never right. So now that I'm an empty nester, I can do that. Yes. And it's wonderful. Um, yeah. So wonderful. cool that you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would love if you, um, <clears throat> if you were to go back to, you said that your son is almost nine. Is there any like advice that you would give yourself and I think more maybe on the parenting aspect um, that you would give yourself like uh, wise words that you wish you had known before you embarked on this parenting journey? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was I, I wish that I would have trusted my own instincts more instead mm. of relying so much on, you know, the opinions of say my mother-in-law, <laughs> mm. um, you know, as, as, you know, wonderful as she is, I, I just let my, myself be, be so impacted by, again, the, the parenting opinions of those around me that, you know, even when I had, you know, a decision to make and my instincts were telling me do X, Y, or Z, I, I didn't have confidence in myself. I, there's so many instances where I didn't listen to myself and, you know, looking back, I think, so many aspects of parenting, at least in those early days would have felt so much so much better, so much more authentic if I would have trusted myself. Yes, yes. And and thank you for saying that. Now, everybody listening, remember that. Trust your instincts. I think that that we do really have a gift or 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 this really, you know, um what what we call the the baby brain, but in, in a very positive way where where we are so in tune with what our child needs from us and that if we need if we can learn to to respect that like you say and to have that confidence to say I know what my baby needs and you know these other people that have not carried my <laughs> this child for 9 months who you know are not living with them 24 hours 7 don't necessarily know and I think also you know um philosophies evolve, uh, techniques evolve. There's, you know, there's different fads of, you know, how your baby should sleep and, and on what side and on the back, <laughs> on the tummy, all of that. So right. it's really what, what does my baby need and really be in communion with, with your child. Yes, absolutely. Important. Yeah. And, and just, um, just by your curiosity, how, how do you feel your mothering is is different from how you were mothered? Like how has that evolved for you? Oh, that's, you know, something that I'm so happy to say is in so many ways it's actually really similar. I think my mm -hmm. mom was really ahead of her time <laughs> mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, I I did um rye classes with my son. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and my mom, you know, it's so interesting. She never did classes like that, but looking back at kind of 
how the, the teachings that I learned in that, it's like, oh my gosh, my mom did all of that with us. So I would say, I would say the one difference though is you know, my, my children are more exposed to more people. You know, we have a really big family, lots of aunts and uncles, and there's just like a lot going on at our house, um, which is not how I grew up. You know, it was very much, you know, I spent time with my dad, sure, but it was very much me and my mom. You know, we were just like attached at the hip and I was very, it was really hard for me, you know, even going to kindergarten, anytime I was away from her, I had a really hard time. And my Mm. children do not seem to (laughs) have that, not not that they're not attached to me, but it's very easy for them to go and be with others. So that's, that's the biggest difference. But, um, yeah, we had very Beautiful. yeah, very Beautiful. similar parenting yeah. philosophies. And and just just for for listeners, Rye that um, Bailey mentioned is resource for infant educators, which was uh, yes. kind of brought to to the U.S. by Magda Gerber. And for me, the the Rye kind of philosophy and and Montessori, which what is what I'm trained with, is very similar in that we really learn to take a step back and observe and let our children kind of show us what they need and uh, as opposed to wanting to control the situation at all costs. So that's, that's beautiful that you were able to do that. Will you be doing that with your daughter as well? I will. I will. I can't wait to start. so enjoyable. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and there are beautiful books that, that are written uh, with the, the Rye perspective, just how, you know, just even how taking the time to enjoy changing a diaper, like that's a mm-hmm. time to, to, to communicate and to, to be connecting with your, with your child. And I think that, that to me is very instinctual. I think that if, if we don't listen to all the buzz of the outside world, that's what we do instinctively. Mm. So yes, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, this this has been uh, wonderful, and and really, I appreciate this this conversation and you empowering uh, women to to make choices and also to uh, read your book to to have all of these you know questions being answered. So thank you for for having written it. And, and done all the research to, to make sure that things are answered in a, in a proper way. Um, before we, we say goodbye, is there any kind of major takeaway that you would like our listeners to, to remember about uh, whether it is pregnancy, birthing, or mothering? Yes. One big thing is don't judge yourself too harshly. You know, there are going to be plenty of times where we think we got it quote unquote wrong, but I can almost guarantee, you know, you are doing the absolute best you can. And and I think this is circling back to what I said in the beginning, just give yourself lots of grace, be gentle with yourself and you will, you know, have a really beautiful, beautiful journey. Beautiful. Thank you. And, and how can our listeners learn more about you and your work? One of the best places is my website, baileygaddis.com, and that has links to all my videos and books and just everything I've created is is there. Wonderful. Well, wonderful, and, and thanks again, uh, Bailey, and wonderful journey mothering your, your new little one uh, in your arms today. 
Oh, thank you so much. It was, it's been a pleasure. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child, or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony, and find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep-dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.